Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Eric, what's going on, man? How are you? Finally catching my breath, brother. This I feel like I've been on on a treadmill here um, for the last three and a half days, two and a half days. So I finally kind of settling down a little bit. So much good stuff going on. Dude, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on. We're going to talk about most of it here today. We, uh, we had a plan today to cover buff Bagwell. We've promoted it. We advertised it. We teased it. We did our homework. We got all of our preparation ready, and then we crumpled it up and threw it out the window. <laughs> Not really. Uh, I hope everyone wishes buff a happy birthday tomorrow. We were looking forward to talking about one of wrestling's biggest success stories. Our next big success story. I do think that buff Bagwell is going to be that guy. I know we're all pulling for him, but we're going to table that conversation for next week because from when we recorded last and now the wrestling world has changed a little bit. Fair to say, Mr. Bischoff. Wow. Like, like, yeah, it's changed a little bit, but it's going to be changing a lot yes. over the next who knows weeks, months, days, hours. I don't know. What time is it? It's only 11, you know, here it's only 11, 17 a.m. Rocky mountain time on a Sunday morning. By the time this thing drops, who knows what happens? It's awesome. It is. Uh, it's a crazy time in the wrestling business. Since you and I recorded, it came out that, uh, Vince McMahon is back from what I understand. He's brought back George Barrios and Michelle Wilson with him. Of course, that was the leadership that was, uh, steering the ship for a long time. And then as they sort of eased out, it made way for Nick Khan, and now they're back. And supposedly as the story goes, there is, uh, well, let's just jump into it. There's three, there's three people who are no longer on the board. And allegedly one of those folks are the folks who sort of spearheaded the, the campaign that resulted in Vince leaving the company. He's since had a change of heart and now he's back and supposedly changed the bylaws along the way saying that, uh, you can't sell this company or negotiate major media rights with this company without my approval. He of course has the super shares. He has the power and now he's wielding it. And so it's come out since you and I recorded that he's actually enlisted the help of JP Morgan to advance sale talks. And this is something that you and I have talked about a lot here on the program for over two years that I believed for a long time that the company was being positioned for a sale. And lots of people didn't believe that and argued it and said, that'll never happen and blah, blah, blah. And now it's out there. It's at least a possibility. And one of the other things that's been discussed that I can't wait to talk about with you is the idea that, you know, Vince could actually take this thing private, meaning it's no longer publicly traded. He just gets some help buying it out. And then it's Vince and a few other private investors. Needless to say, the wrestling world is on pins and needles to see how all of this plays out. Perhaps no one more so than those who already work in WWE and, uh, your old personal friend, Tony Khan even had a little fun with it on social media and says, I don't know why everybody's being so nice to me all of a sudden. Maybe it's a, <laughs> I got a kick out of that comment. That's kind of funny. Hilarious stuff, man. I, I I'm curious 
as we're talking now on Sunday, January 8th, the day before everybody hears this, what's your prediction? Where does this all wind up? Let me start at this. Do you think Vince is at TV tonight as folks are listening to this? No, I don't either. I don't think so. I don't either, but I'm out of the prediction business. This, I mean, you know, back on strictly business a week or so ago, which is by the way, is its own podcast. You can get it automatically by subscribing here to 83 weeks and you'll be notified the minute strictly business drops typically on Thursdays. And we, we talked a, a great deal obviously about what's going on, but yeah, I, I just can't imagine that Vince's primary focus right now is to jump back in the creative saddle. I mean, there's a lot, obviously there is a ton on his plate of a magnitude that I just don't think even Vince McMahon <laughs> who notoriously works, you know, 20 hours a day. Um, I, I think that would be a little bit much. I think Vince is going to be focused on stability, particularly outward facing stability, which is why I think he went to great lengths to acknowledge Nick Khan and Stephanie and Paul Levesque in their roles and assure everybody he did it three times in one press release. Um, I believe, uh, or it may have been different comments, whatever. There were three different occasions that Vince made a point to say, Hey, Paul and Nick and Stephanie doing a great job, all the confidence in the world in them. Nothing's going to change. And if, if that's true or, or, or accurate, that's accurate. He said it. If it's true, I think showing up at TV would be, even just from a perception wise, even if he just showed up and hung around backstage, I think would be really, uh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't add to the stability of the situation right now. A couple of weeks, maybe once things settle down, but right now I can't see it. I do wonder about the optics. Like maybe it does make sense for him to show up at TV just to show that, Hey, things are, you know, I got my hands on the wheel, so to speak. Everything's all right. This is usual, but not necessarily. I agree with you. I can't imagine that he's super interested in, in the creative. And I know that a lot of wrestling fans, and there are some other podcasters out there who do a fine job and have done a great, built a great audience and a great business for themselves. Boy, they are just beside themselves. The Vince McMahon is going to ruin the WWE, which makes me chuckle a little bit. Like, Nowhere in any of this do I think this is about creative. And I understand that a lot of people are painting this as a power struggle. And it's all about control. But is it really about control of, was Bobby Lashley winning tonight? I don't, I don't think that that's insignificant. This is about controlling the cash. This is, this is a business play, not a creative play. Do you agree with that? No, absolutely. That's why I say I, I just can't see, I, I can't see the primary motivation here, even a secondary motivation in this whole thing. And again, I, I'm setting myself up to be absolutely wrong because we're talking about Vince McMahon. Yes. And Vince McMahon is not your typical human being and not your typical business person. What would seem to make sense for most people may or may not necessarily necessarily apply to Vince here. And the word, you know, we've used this word. Now you've used it in the last couple 
in the last minute or two was control. Yes. I think one thing we can all agree on, regardless of how we feel about Vince McMahon one way or the other, control has always can, been kind of the foundation upon which Vince McMahon operates. Yeah. Go back to when he took the company public. And we touched on this on Strictly Business last week, but I think a lot of listeners, your average person, doesn't necessarily understand the difference between, probably doesn't even know that there are A shares and B shares. There are two, two different classes of shares. Right. One class has voting rights, and that's the one Vince owns the majority of, of, of interest in. He has the majority of shares. And the other one is just along for the ride. They don't right. get to vote. And I find it fascinating, among so many other things, that Vince structured this company and was able to do so successfully because it's, you know, look, a lot of companies, I've, I've actually structured a company once with A shares and B shares many years ago for this exact same purpose, but it was a small, it was a small opportunity and we were taking in some investment. We wanted to make sure that our core team would be able to maintain control over the direction of the company and the strategies of the company. And when you bring in outside money, if you're not careful, you don't, you don't have that control, but I find it fascinating that Vince so many years ago took the company public, was able to do so with an A and B share, two classes of shares um, architecture and be able to be so successful with it because that, that structure typically turns investors off. Right. People are generally not inclined to, throw a lot of their money into a company that they know they don't have a voice in unless it's very successful. And initially nobody knew if this public offering for WWE was going to be a success, but the fact that he did it and he set himself up to be in the position that he's in, he has the ultimate hammer. I, that I, I just, I am so fascinated by all of this. This is the most interesting thing other than Musk and Twitter. I find this to be one of the most interesting things in media and business uh, in the last 20, 30 years. I can't think of anything that, in my opinion, is as interesting as this. Over the last five days, as you and I are recording, the stock is up 16 bucks and 21 cents, which represents everything's about percentages, boys and girls, 23.82% up on the news that Vince is coming back. And that a sale could be in the works. The stock is up based on a rounding 24%. That's incredible news. How do you read that? You know, there's a lot of gamblers out there, you know, I mean, to to me, you know, I've never really been involved in the stock market because I think if I was going to invest in the market, I would have to invest a lot of time to educate myself. I, I, I just, it's the same reason I don't go to Vegas and put money on, on anything. I don't gamble because I'm not good at it. And it's just, it's just a game of chance. And and I'm not interested in investing or spending money in Vegas, for example, on a game of chance, because I have no control over anything. You have control right. over the decisions you make, whether you put it, you know, split your deck if you're playing blackjack and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's just, a, it's just odds. Right. Yes. And yes. I feel the same way a little bit about the stock market. 
Now, there are strategies, obviously, and there are a lot of people. Hell, Warren Buffett, you know, is out there. And, and there are people and individuals who really understand the market and, and are good at it. Um, but I think the, a lot of people, your average investor, sees, oh, there's going to be a merger or acquisition. Typically, stocks go up in that environment. And I think there's just a lot of people betting on the transaction. I think, I guess, I guess, I don't know. I'm not an expert. But if there comes a point in time in all of this that it appears that maybe it's not going to be, there's not going to be a transaction and it's simply a rights deal, which is now kind of a B story, I think, at this point, then I think you'll see the stock go down. You'll seek a more normal level. But as long as there's a big acquisition on the table and we're, you know, we're hearing about Saudi Arabia now, which I think is a viable thing to discuss, an important thing to discuss, because I think it's, it's a real possibility given the relationship between Vince individually, Vince McMahon and the WWE, obviously, and key members of the Saudi family. I think that's a real possibility. You know, I think the other possibilities we've all discussed over the last couple of years are all real possibilities. Um, so I think as long as that possibility of a sale is out there, the stock will continue to do well. The minute somebody suggests that mm, maybe it's not going to be a sale, maybe it's just going to be taking the company private, which is still a transaction and still would be something that would increase the value of the stock price. But uh, I think that'll slow down a little bit if the talk of a sale starts to slow down a little bit, if that makes sense. Well, I do want to talk about taking the company private, but one thing you and I are not private about is our love of athletic greens. You and I have been using AG one for a long time, long before they were even a sponsor here on the program. My wife started using it in our household, which meant I had to start using it. Now that was a bit of a trickeration as somebody used to say. Because my wife knew uh, Conrad doesn't like taking pills or vitamins. Uh, it's just not really his thing. And if he's going to do it, it needs to taste good. Well, AG1 checks all the boxes. Now, my wife wanted to optimize our immune system at the start of the pandemic, but she's appreciated more energy and she feels like better gut health too. Now, let me explain. If you're taking a look at us over on YouTube, it's 83weeksonyoutube.com. You can see exactly what we're talking about. Now, what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens, everything you need to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients better supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, your recovery, your aging, all the things. And it's also friendly for pretty much any kind of lifestyle. Whether you're doing keto or paleo or vegan or you're dairy-free or gluten-free, this has less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything, and it still tastes good. It will support mental clarity and alertness. It'll provide better sleep quality and recovery. Think of it as like your all-in-one nutritional insurance, but don't just take our word for it. Athletic Greens has more than 7,000 five-star reviews, and Eric, one of those five-star reviews is from you. You absolutely love AG1, and I know Mrs. B, she's... uh. She's way more educated on this stuff than you and I probably ever will be. And she's a big believer too, right? Yes, she is. I mean, my wife, we, I refer to her as Mrs. B, but Lori has spent probably the last 20 years 
really studying nutrition, and I mean studying it formally, you know, in, in in, in school, as well as just reading. If you came into our house, Conrad, you went up into our bedroom, there, I, there's maybe not a thousand, but more than a couple hundred books all on nutrition. Wow. And, and Lori focuses primarily on holistic nutrition. It's just, uh, it's, it's a passion and it has been for her for many, many years. It all started out with a book that I actually um, suggested she read a book called sugar blues. And, it, and this is like, this may have been even longer, man. This may be 35 years ago, but I read that book sugar blues and it really opened my eyes to a lot of things about nutrition. And I first read the book when I was training for my black belt in martial arts. Um, and I read it because I ate a lot of sugar. Anyway, fast forward. So that was the kind of the catalyst that got Lori really interested in, but she's, she, she's, she's all in man. And, both of us, I think we were on a trip somewhere <laughs> down to see you or heading down to Florida. We were listening to Joe Rogan's podcast. So we're doing a road trip or in a truck. Sometimes you can't get a radio station. Anyway, we're listening to Joe Rogan extolling the virtues of AG1. And I, I, I kind of dig Joe and I, I believe Joe. I think he's, I don't think he's out there promoting things that he doesn't believe in, particularly when it comes to nutrition, because he's also obsessed with it. And I listened to it and we, and Lori said, let's order something, give it a shot. And we did and absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. It tastes so good, by the way, that uh, Lori also likes to make homemade ice cream, but she makes it without sugar. She uses sugar substitutes. And does it's it's delicious, actually. When um, we make healthy ice cream, or as healthy as it can be. But I'm even thinking, man, some some I'd like to try some AG1 wow. in our ice cream because we're trying to make it a healthy treat. So we're going to probably give that a whirl. I don't know if it'll work or not, but we absolutely love the product. You're going to love the product too. Right now, we think it's time for you to reclaim your health, arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Y'all, it's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash 83 weeks. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash 83 weeks to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition. Hey, 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 Ryan, I want to, I want to give a quick shout out so we don't forget our, our family here. Uh, we're doing this show and we're doing it live for ad free shows. And we've got some of our family members on board. Bobby at Kilo Foxtrot five golf tango x-ray. Glad to have you with us. You're here almost every week, man. I appreciate it. Josh Rosenblum. Love it. Love that you're here, man. Rosenbaum, I'm sorry. I said, Bloom. damn, Eddie Prather, Matt, thanks for joining us, man. And if you want to join us live and be able to make comments during the show and uh, be a part of it and get us over to adfreeshows.com. Join the party. It's a fun one. It is. Uh, we're going to be talking about adfreeshows.com a little more at the end of the show, but I do appreciate everybody turning up. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast. Part of the Believe Network. Just search BLEAV on YouTube or wherever you listen. Today, and uh, I, I wanted to ask what you talked about or touched on just before we went to the break there. 
about the idea that perhaps Vince would take this thing private. I have heard that that was actually something that was discussed long before any of the other shenanigans, that this is something that has actually been beat up for a while. And I guess that's really not all that uncommon. You hear about companies that maybe go public and then regret it and think, man, we'd have more freedom if we did this and we did that. And I could see Vince McMahon being that kind of maverick at heart. Who's like, man, I don't want to really want to be dictated to let's just go private again. But that would take an incredible amount of cash. Uh, I don't know, five, six, seven billion. Um, maybe in the scheme of things, that's not that much money for a property like this, but still a substantial investment. And it makes me wonder is the only opportunity for that quote unquote Saudi money, because clearly Vince has made a lot of money with them and, and they certainly have a relationship with WWE. Or do you think that is something he could pull off in a more traditional sense? I, I don't know. You know, that that's a level of fundraising <laughs> money raising that that's so far out of my scope of even comprehension I just don't know who has the kind of money to play that, that, that game. But I think in aggregate, if you put together three, four, five people, especially if you've got somebody who's, I mean, what is Vince, what is Vince net worth? You know, three, 4 billion. Would he let, would he, would he throw some of his own money into the kitty? Yeah. Well, you, gotta, you gotta think most of his net worth is just the stock in the company itself. Right. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that, but we don't know that. But I bet I think that's a fair assumption, a good assumption. I think Forbes but, has him down at two point four billion. You know, so and, and by the way, I'm not suggesting he has to come up with all of it himself. But if he throws right. in a half a billion or a billion, so he's got skin in the game. If he has access to that cash, if he's liquid, um, and he's got Saudi partners who are willing to come in with three or four, and you've got Endeavor that may want to come in. There's no way of knowing. There's just no way of knowing. I do believe, and I said this on Strictly Business hours before uh, the press release came out or the news came out, that during a company-wide meeting, uh, Frank Riddick, um, who I believe is their controller, whatever his title is, vice president, controller, whatever, he's the money guy, um, came out and said that one of the options is to take the company private. I think hours before that on Strictly Business, I leaned into that one because i that's what I think. And I say that because, especially under the circumstances, it's the the fact that WWE is a publicly held company that really uh, forced Vince into retirement. Right. You know, you got to protect the stock. And I can see Vince, based on what I've heard about him a little bit, what I've Come to, came to know about him. He's a fighter. I mean, we all know that. I could see Vince going. <laughs> ah, I'm taking this. I'm taking this back, right? And putting together a team of people that would put the money together and take it back private. I could see it. It's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out because I, I think there's probably folks who have operated within and around WWE who felt like Vince is gone. And I was never totally convinced of that, uh, simply because I don't think Vince McMahon knows life without WWE. Like it's hard for me to imagine. And I saw you talking about this with Chris Van Vliet. 
Like, I don't think my man has decided to move to the wilderness and, and start fly fishing and he's growing a ZZ top beard. Like I, I don't, <laughs> that's real. You know, it's just, I can't you know, imagine I mean, all the years that we've been following Vince, you know, has anybody ever caught a picture of him on vacation? Like the French Riviera or scuba diving in Belize, you know, or anything. Have we ever seen a picture of Vince McMahon on a golf course? Have we ever seen anything about Vince McMahon that suggests that he's got any interests outside of WWE? I haven't. Well, I've heard their stories that he used to go to Florida and Vince has told, or Bruce has told the story that he used to have a property that was like golf on one side and Bay on the other. And he sold it, but when he sold it to the developer, he got one of the penthouses or something. Bruce told some sort of story like that. And it came out over the years of me doing the show with Bruce that he used to have like a yacht down there. Uh, and I think the name of the boat was something like sexy bitch or something like that. Hilarious where it was like, what? <laughs> and I even saw a photo of him in like a speedo on that boat once, but yes, you're right. We don't see or hear him in these extravagant vacation that's not really his thing he loves what he does and hey guys it's the hardcore legend mick foley here and i need to call a quick timeout a brief timeout because i wanted to tell your listeners what i have been telling foley is pod listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com we kick off 2023 by going back to 1983 and the debut of the NWA U.S. Heavyweight Championship, commonly referred to as the 10 Pounds of Silver, on an all-new edition of Title Chase. Overtime has just kind of worn out, and then uh, Magnum T.A. told me himself that he finally just polished some of the rest of it out because it just had some just some little bit in the corners or whatever that uh, had hung on, and so he just finished the job. Our book series continues, and this time we turn to Jim Crockett Promotions. Conrad and David Crockett dive into Jim Crockett Jr.'s handwritten booking logs from January 1985. So tell us exactly what we're looking at here, the Red Books. All right, the Red Books, I have to tell you, are basically, and I'll hold one up. This is a calendar for a book for 1985. All right, in it, I'm just going to turn, pull a page. Handwritten uh, the matches and also the gross of the city towns that were in the matchups. And this is the Bible. It was started with my father. On January 24th, Ad Free Shows is bringing you another premium watch along event as we celebrate the 35 year anniversary of the very first Royal Rumble. And we're watching it live with the winner of that historic match, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, hey, folks. I'm WWE Hall of Famer Hacksaw Jim Duggan from the golden age of wrestling. And I'm celebrating the 35th anniversary of my win in the first ever Royal Rumble by watching this Royal Rumble on adfreeshows.com. Join me January 24th at 9 p.m. adfreeshows.com. Tough guy, first ever winner. Ho! That's just a small taste, a sampling, if you will, of what we have waiting for you with four levels to choose from. Four. See for yourself why ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now, right now, at adfreeshows.com. Yeah.
and the idea that that was gone made me think there's gotta be, he's going to come do something at some point. I don't know what he's working on, but he's working on something. Well, now maybe we know. And I also don't believe, and again, I don't really know Vince. I mean, I've only talked to him a handful of times, but it's hard for me to imagine what we do know about Vince, that he would just go into this sort of willy nilly. Like, I don't know really what we're going to do, but we'll figure it out. I imagine (laughs) that, that, that he's, if there's going to be quote unquote sale talks, he probably already has one, maybe two buyers in mind thinking, I know they're grand and I know they're in now. Let's just see how we can get the best deal possible. That's, that's what this feels like to me. Like he's already got a plan. We just don't know it yet. Yeah. It would be interesting to know what Vince has been doing since he retired. Yeah. (laughs) Um, where he's been, who he's met with, where he's traveled, that kind of information would be interesting, you know, cause it, 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 not that it would tell us anything, but it would fuel speculation, I guess. Yeah. And it may, may provide some indication, but um, yeah, none of that man, he's been under the radar. I think I saw one picture of him out to dinner one night. Yeah. Everybody um, saw that. that. That made it, but I think he was in New York, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, this is, such a fun time. There is more drama, more story, more intrigue um, going on behind the scenes in the wrestling business than has ever taken place inside of a wrestling ring. It's just awesome. It's crazy too, man, because there's so much to this story and it can go and spider off in so many different directions that I think we all just sort of look and think, in a weird way. And boy, I don't mean for this to be dismissive of the fine men and women who are out there entertaining us every week. The more interesting story isn't happening in the ring. It's behind the scenes. And that's not an indictment on creative or any of that. It's just the unknown and it keeps us guessing. And I'm curious from your perspective with some of these different buyers that have been rumored to be out there. Uh, and Lord, there's a bunch of different conspiracy theories that well, maybe it's going to be Comcast or, you know, maybe it's going to be Disney or maybe it's going to be Amazon or whatever. Does one of those stand out as a bigger threat to wrestling as we know it than others? Everybody has their opinion, right? But, and, and you and I talked about this a little bit last night. Um, I can see why a lot of people inside of WWE particularly those that have stock options in, in their portfolio, WWE stock options. But I can see a lot of people being very nervous because it's the unknown. And it's, you know, n- nobody likes the unknown. Nobody knows how this is going to play itself out. So everybody's kind of hanging on by a thread, waiting to see which direction it's going to go. And I get that. That's an uncomfortable feeling. But my impression is that whoever buys it is probably not going to come in and start making any kind of wholesale changes when it comes to the management of the company for the first year and a half or two years. And I lived through that, by the way. I remember when the AOL Time Warner, when the merger happened, or the acquisition happened of Turner Broadcasting, somebody that was really, that had been through this type of thing before, somebody a lot smarter than me and more experienced, not smarter, but just had been through it before. I never had said to me, Eric, don't worry about it. You're not, you're not going to see or feel a thing for the first year, maybe two. And I, I didn't understand it. I didn't 
question it. I just kind of took it at face value, but I never didn't really understand why. But having been through it, it was true. You know, initially when, when that all went down, a lot of people were expecting, oh my gosh, Monday morning, we're a new company now, things are going to change. And it didn't. It was business as usual for about six or eight months. And then you started seeing a few changes. And then over another six or eight months, you started seeing more changes. And then before you knew it, there was a culture war. It was the AOL Time Warner corporate culture basically consuming the entrepreneurial culture of Turner Broadcasting. And I started seeing guys who would typically show up wearing a sport coat, nice pair of jeans, loafers, showing up to work, executives showing up. And, you know, before I knew it, they're all wearing dark blue suits, white shirts, red ties, and wingtip shoes. Because that was the culture of AOL Time Warner. But it takes time. And I think the same thing is true here. You know, Steve Kaufman and I were talking right before we got on here about Comcast. You know, and Steve's concern was, well, wait a minute, you know, if Comcast comes in, you know, they're going to want to have some voice and creative or the process. I don't who the who wants to do that. First of all, nobody in that company has any experience or knowledge of the wrestling product, not to the extent that they can come in and have a voice in the creative process. Nobody's going to want to take that chance. They're going to, they're going to wait and see, and they're going to learn. More importantly, they're going to learn. And over time, I think whoever would buy it, if they wanted to influence the direction of the company will, but it's not going to happen for a year or two or more. And also, and I don't mean to hog this thing, but yeah, look at the success and the effectiveness of the current creative team, for example. Yes. Led by Paul Levesque, AKA triple H and in, in Bruce, and the team that they work with, why would you want to mess with that? It's working. Whether it's Vince coming in and deciding he wants to get back in that seat or whether it's Comcast or some other buyer coming in and buying the company, why would you want to screw with something that's working without even really understanding how the business operates and functions? I just don't see it. Eventually, yes. Immediately, no. Can't believe this is real, but Woo Wings, your very own virtual restaurant concept, is now open and fans can enjoy the legendary flavors and world championship wings by ordering with their Uber Eats or Postmates app. Woo Wings is now open in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, as well as Huntsville and Tuscaloosa, right here in Alabama. Many more locations coming soon. As a virtual restaurant, Woo Wings is looking to partner with existing restaurants in major metro areas. Tell your favorite sports bar or local restaurant you want Woo Wings in your town. And to visit rickflairwings.com for more information on how to become a partner. But if you're in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Huntsville, or Tuscaloosa, hop on your Uber Eats or Postmates app and look for Woo Wings and try the only chicken wings worthy carrying the name of the 16-time world heavyweight champion, Woo Wings. Be sure to check out rickflairwings.com to become a partner. It's um it's just fascinating to think about what if and what could be. And, and I see people in the chat right now over at adfreeshows.com who are getting to watch along with us. 
and they're having a lot of the same questions that I've got. I got two phone calls last week from different people who, uh, well, their names in the wrestling community. We'll say that. And they both asked me the exact same question that Josh Rosenbaum did in our chat right now, uh, as, as folks are watching us live here on adfreeshows.com. Does and would Tony Khan have the capacity to buy WWE? And I think the answer is yes, he has the capacity. There's no question that he would be able to put together a deal. But I just, I would put the odds of that being near zero. Like, what, what would be in it? I don't know why Tony Khan would do that. I don't see the upside for Tony Khan doing that. He's got his own thing. Like, I mean, I hear you. You could combine and blah, blah, blah. That's fantasy wrestling booking. I just, I don't see it. Let's see you. Yeah. And again, you know, Steve just put up there, you know, Tony's father, this isn't Tony Khan's money. It's Tony Khan's father's money, family money. Tony has a big chunk of it, obviously part of it. But are you going to, you know, how much of your $11 billion of your net worth, depending on how much of it is even liquid, are you willing to put on WWE? Well, he wouldn't have to do that. You know that, Eric. I mean, guys don't guys don't really write a check for seven billion. They go into their banker and they say, "Hey, uh, you see, I got a bunch of cash. Give me some money." Well, and, and I, I understand that, but you're gonna you, you're probably gonna have to put some of your own money in that. I mean, oh, he's, not, sure. he's not going to Wells Fargo and asking Wells Fargo to finance this thing, right? He's, <laughs> you're, you're talking about a you're talking about private investors. Yes, and. Private investors would probably be very interested in this, depending upon how much of Tony of um, the Khan family's own money is in it. So again, just like Vince would probably have to put up half a billion, a billion dollars of his own money because they want to see that, okay, if you're going to lead this charge and we're going to jump on your team here to, to do this and make this acquisition, we want to know that you have skin in the game too. They're not just buying your name and your reputation. They want to know that you're in it to win it. And the same would be true with the Khan family. I'm sure that, that if they put in a half a billion, a billion dollars of their own money, um, they would go out and I'm sure they have a Rolodex of potential investors from around the world sure. that would be interested. It could happen, but man, you've got the Jags, you've got a football team in England, you've got AEW, and I don't know what other business they're, businesses they're in, but do you really want to, you really want to do that? No, I just, I don't see it. I mean, again, I don't know. I haven't asked Tony, uh, but I just, I don't see it. I know that Tony once upon a time, liked the idea of working with WWE and well, that's his story to tell. Uh, but, but here's the thing. I, I just, I think this is, um, going to go one of two ways. This is going to be much ado about nothing or the whole business is fixing a change. I don't think it has anything to do with what people who and listen, you and I are guilty of this. Sometimes we're all, especially if you're listening to this program, man, like it or not at times we're all in the bubble. And so we let ourselves just get caught up on wrestling talk. This is not about this is a business talk. And then, you know, the wrestling will figure itself out on the other side, but it's to me, it's going to go one or two ways, right? It's either going to be a game changer for the whole industry or much to do about nothing business as usual. So, so what's the scenario? Let's, let's start to paint a picture here. What's the scenario? What, what scenario would play out in your mind that would result in this just being much ado about nothing? What happens? Uh, if he continues to let 
hunter handle creative and wrestling. And he just works closely with Nick Khan and Stephanie on media rights and potential sales stuff. And he just wants to make sure that he's got a voice and he's actively involved, but he doesn't necessarily at whatever his tweet reference. Cause he had some sort of at 77 years old, it's time for me, blah, blah, blah. He just says, okay, you guys just have at that. Uh, but I'm going to make sure that I'm responsible for guarding the kingdom, so to speak. So in that scenario here, here's the downside. And by the way, there was a um, headline I, on, on one of the news sites. I think it was wrestling Inc. And, and I, I love all the coverage they, they they're be giving this and I think a lot of the folks over there, but the headline, because I, I made a comment, uh, it was either, yeah, it was on strictly business. I made a comment about, we're discussing, you know, why some people feel it's so bizarre that Vince would come in and say, Hey, I'm, I'm basically the person that gets to decide what we do and who we do it with. Um, because he's the largest controlling shareholder. He has right. the most skin in the game. And I, so many people are, well, a lot of the comments that I'm reading just don't understand that it is a controversial thing What the, what the headline said is Bischoff doesn't see any controversy in McMahon coming back. That's not what I said. And it's not even what I was implying. What I was implying is that people need to understand why this makes sense from Vince McMahon's point of view. Take how you feel about Vince out of the equation. doesn't matter how you feel about it. Emotion is one thing. Facts are another. Okay emotionally everybody has an opinion about Vince McMahon or many people do have an opinion about Vince McMahon and that opinion for better or worse is driven in part. I don't know how you measure it, but in part by what we've come to know about Vince as a television character or what we think we've come to know about Vince as a result of the narrative that's been floating around for 25 or 30 years you know, in, in, in dirt, dirt sheets and guys like, you know, Dave Meltzer and others and early on, you know, and now we're getting legitimate coverage by some great people like, you know, you know Sean Ross Sapp and Mike Johnson, PW insider. There's a lot of people that are really covering this pretty well, but over the last few decades, right. We've gotten this narrative about who Vince is because not many people know Vince McMahon. Right. You know, I've, I'm sure Bruce Pritchard does. And I'm sure there's a handful of other people that do that are really close to Vince and obviously his family, but the rest of us, and I'm putting myself into that equation. You know, I competed against Vince. You know, I, 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 I was a fan of Vince, you know, WWE before I even got in the business and I knew of Vince McMahon and eventually I was competing against Vince McMahon. And you get to know somebody when you're competing with them, especially the way that we did. Um, and then I got to work with Vince as a talent. And then I got to work for Vince very briefly as an executive. So do I have a sense of who Vince McMahon is? Of course I do. doesn't mean I'm right, but I have a sense of who he is. But none of us really know Vince right. and what motivates him. Um, but Vince McMahon is the guy who, the reason we're even having this conversation and we're talking about, you know, people possibly coming in with five, six, seven billion dollars to take the company public or what, or to buy it is because of Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon had a vision back in the eighties that people thought would never happen. A lot of the independent territory guys like Vergania, by the way, um, because I heard it, 
I've, I listened to it early in my career. Vern continued to dismiss Vince McMahon and continued to say at the time, oh, it'll never work. This is going to blow up in his face. He's chasing a dream. I heard all that conversation. Um, the fact is Vince had a vision. He executed it. And here we are today. And he is the largest shareholder and the chief executive board member, whatever his new title is, of a company that's worth almost $7 billion, publicly held company. Is there anybody better to bet on? No. Well, let's put his controversies aside because they exist. And I, I acknowledge they exist. And there's serious controversies, potentially. But is there? how can you doubt his vision and ability to execute? Because not only had a vision, he clearly executed it. If you were going to hire someone off the street to try to accomplish what Vince McMahon accomplished, would you not want a clone of Vince McMahon? You may want to have some control over him, but man, he did it. And, and since he owns the majority of the controlling shares, I think it makes perfectly sense that he wants to be the guy in the seat and be knowledgeable of a potential deal from the ground up, not coming in, you know, Hey Vince, you know, come on over from Fiji. We've got a deal on a table. We want to show you Vince <laughs> wants to be a part. Vince wants to be a part of that deal from the get-go so that he knows it's the best possible deal. And I think he has that right. He's earned that right. Clearly. That's kind of where I think it is, which I think it makes it, you know, the other option, which is much ado about nothing. Now let's talk about that because that's where people start to get nervous. Okay. So Vince is back, but because that's where wrestling fans start to really get nervous about what does that mean for the wrestling product that we see on TV? Because there is a chance. And he comes back and just leaves well enough alone and mm -hmm. says, Hey man, I don't want anything to do with that. Y'all keep doing it. I just I need my voice to be heard. If, if we're headed down one of these major roads, which by the way, if you were the largest investor in any company, so let's just, as I like to say, I'm going to men in blackie right now. And then boop, nothing we've talked about happened so far, but if that's what we're doing, we're just resetting the table here and you're the largest investor of a company and your biggest revenue item is television rights. And now, you know, those conversations are probably about to start happening and my money, my income, my net worth is directly tied my to legacy. I, I, you're damn right. I want a convert. I need a voice in that. We can't, I would not want to relinquish all of that control and just trust that it's going to be okay. That, and I know you could say, well, how much money do you need and blah, 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 but we're 77 and we're successful for a reason. Like there, I just gravitate to. He probably just, I, I think this, this could wind up being nothing. It could wind up being, he just wants to make sure that, that he gets the, that the company gets the right deals that he's comfortable with because a lot of that money's still his. And you know, if there is a sale, he gets taken care of. He wants to be considered. I don't think that's unrealistic or unreasonable, but if we go the other way and he comes back and he says, nope, we're going to stop saying professional wrestling and we're going to go back to sports entertainment. And the, and who the fuck hired Regal back or whatever else, you know, he nonsense, who cares? But if all of that becomes a thing again, where does that leave Hunter? Yeah. Now we're getting into the, the, the palace intrigue and there's so much of it. And I, I try to, you know, in a private conversation, you know, I'm, I'm happy to engage in that kind of discussion because it is, it, it is fascinating. 
you know, it's a little bit like going to a movie and in your own mind trying to figure out how the hell this movie's going to end. Right. right. And it's hard not to think that way, but it's also, I think inappropriate for me, at least my, my choice to delve too deeply into that because talk about what you don't know. Right. There's a lot of things that you have heard. A lot of things that I have heard, a lot of things that other people have heard about what that palace intrigue might be, but it doesn't mean it's true or it's accurate or the degrees to which it's true or accurate. There may be a little smoke there, but not a bonfire, you know, or there may be a bonfire that we don't know, but man, it sure is fascinating. It sure is fascinating. And here's what I, and I, and I said this to you last night and I know it's not all about the money, right? I don't think it's all about the money with Vince. I I, I think Vince coming, look, he, he, he was forced into retirement. He didn't go on his own free will. I mean, he made the choice. He, he agreed to it. But I think it's fair to say circumstances and perhaps some people within WWE forced him out against his will. They tried to dress it up in a nice little package and thank you, Vince. Thank you, Vince. And it showed up on TV and then now and forever and supposedly sailed off into the sunset. But that wasn't wasn't Vince's choice. That choice was made for him. And I think it's safe. I think it's a safe bet to suggest that Vince's pride, his ego, maybe the same thing. More importantly, his DNA is such that if anybody's going to write the last chapter yeah. of the Vince McMahon story in the WWE legacy, Vince McMahon wants to write his own story and he wants to be the person that puts the period at the end of the last sentence of the Vince McMahon saga, not somebody else. That may be part of this as well, but none of that necessarily means that anybody's going to lose their, their position. I th right. And again, I don't know the relationship between, I, here's what's funny, you know, talk about what you don't know, you know, and I, when, when this all started, when, when Triple H came back and Stephanie was made co-CEO, in my mind, because I know all of them, I've worked with all of them at various levels, in my mind, I thought I could see Vince McMahon sitting down with Triple H and Stephanie, but Triple H in particular, this is what I thought about, and giving him advice. And telling Triple H to run that company his way and to not try to run it the way he thinks Vince would run it, but to run it the way Paul Levesque thinks it should be run creatively. I imagined that conversation in my head because I thought that was the relationship. And it might be, by the way, I could have been absolutely right or I could be absolutely wrong. I don't know. But if I'm take, take, the ego and the pride and all of that out of it and just look at the money. Triple H has got a boatload. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Dunn sure has yeah. a boatload of options. Yeah. I'm sure our close friend Bruce Pritchard has options. I'm sure He's a lot of people that we know have a lot of options. And those options don't vest in a for a period of time, it can be, I don't know. I don't know what the pro program is. I was in it, but I don't, I don't, I can't remember it, but typically 
you know, you get, you get, let's say at the end of the year, part of your bonus is you get 3000 options at whatever the strike price is at that day, meaning whatever the value of the stock is on that day. So the day you get your options, the stock is at $55 a share. Well, if a stock sells for $155 a share, the minute that transaction is consummated and occurs, you've just made $100 a share because your stock options automatically vest and you don't get to vote. You don't get to say, no, nah, I'm just going to leave them in the kitty. Let's just see where it goes. You don't have any choice. Now, that's the way it was at Turner with me. And there's a funny story that goes along with it. I'm not going to tell it again, but you can hear it on Strictly Business if you go back and listen. Because uh, I experienced that. And I think a lot of people who are sitting on a bunch of options right now and are twiddling their thumbs and are worried and are concerned and trying to imagine what the future is going to look like have forgotten to, you know, take a look at how many options they have in their desk pull out a calculator like I was forced to do, do the math and go, oh, either way, I'm coming out good. Yes. Either way, my financial life has changed, in some cases, forever. Yes. And that's the worst that's going to happen. That's the worst that's going to happen. The worst that's going to happen is you're going to get filthy rich. Depending on, <laughs> <laughs> depending, depending on who you are and how many options you have, the worst that's going to happen is you're going to get filthy rich. And, no. and in a best case scenario, you're going to get filthy rich and things are going to get better. Yes. And, and like, as you said, maybe, maybe it does, maybe Vince does take the company private and perhaps Vince looks at creative and the process and the effectiveness and the efficiency and the morale and goes, you know what? I'm not going to mess with that. Why would I want that? Why would I want to hurt myself? I'm going to let this team continue to do what they've proven they can do. Yes. Now you've gotten filthy rich and your gig is still good. So I think a lot of people, fans, probably some employees are stressing themselves out over something that is really nothing but a massively fantastic opportunity. They just don't quite see it yet. I know that uh, there's a narrative out there where people think it's, two sides warring. We'll talk about that after we want to talk about that. I do want to talk about that because I don't know that stuff. I don't know. Here's what, you know, you know, that some of the best memories you can have with your family are out on the open road. You just heard Eric talking a little bit about uh, how he used to make these long road trips. You know, Eric lives in the middle of nowhere. So when he goes to visit me sometimes or Florida, instead of just flying, which for Eric still involves a lot of driving, he just drives. Well, what better way to do it with your family on the open road, especially if these are like new year's resolutions. I want to spend better time, more quality time with my family. I want to travel camper max can make it happen. Specializing in max discounted pricing on travel trailers and fifth wheel RVs delivered anywhere in the lower 48. That's right. From your office, your cell phone or your couch, you can get the RVing lifestyle delivered to your door at CamperMax.com. Now, how easy is it to start enjoying the RVing lifestyle? Well, let me explain. Camper Max will fit any budget, offering easy financing with extended terms. Visit CamperMax.com, C-A-M-P-E-R-M-A-X-X.com, CamperMax.com, and don't forget there's two X's in Camper Max. Or give them a shout, 256-320-7033, and let them know that Conrad sent you. These are longtime personal friends of mine. If you've heard about me and my crew traveling to some big pay-per-view event or fun convention weekend in an RV, my guy Rod hooked it up. He'll hook it up for you too. 
Uh, if you're looking to purchase a motorhome, maybe you're looking to sell yours. Hit right up there too. 256-320-7033, CamperMax.com. Eric, what we were talking about is the narrative that's out there that, and I've heard multiple people say they now believe, I can't believe this is a real sentence that as Vince, George, and Michelle on one side versus Nick Khan, Stephanie McMahon and Hunter. I just don't see it that way. And I know that because our brains are just conditioned at this point because we're in the bubble to be, well, there's gotta be more to it. Somebody's trying to get over on somebody. Somebody's burying somebody. It's the nature of the wrestling business, right? In the ring and out of the ring. But it's not, it's not always the case. Like no. if we know this is the guy, I mean, let's, let's back this up. Who made a bunch of money for Vince McMahon and, and were his right hand men and women. And it was George and Michelle. So you go back to people, you know, and, and you lean on their expertise and they clearly understand the business better than most, better than almost anyone. And now this is like your council, your supporting group. Let's, let's get the, the, the biggest television rights deal of all time. Let's break a record. Let's put the UFC to shame with their acquisition several years ago. That's a great team to put that together. It doesn't necessarily mean. God damn it. He Hunter has Michael Cole say wrestling. We can't say wrestling on the show. <laughs> I just don't think that's it, man. I don't either, man. I don't either. And, and, and again, this is where, um, you know, my, my brief and I keep saying, I, I just want people to understand my four months as an executive working directly with Vince, um, probably three days a week. I spent the largest part of my day, um, either with Vince one-on-one -on -one or in a very, very small group or at television, right? The majority of my week was within handshaking distance of Vince McMahon. You, you do get a sense of someone when you work with them that closely for that period of time. But the other thing that I got was, you know, I saw Vince, I'll never forget. And I promise I, I, I gave him my word. I would never share this moment. And I'm not going to do it now, but I'll, I'll characterize the moment as completely unVince McMahon. Like what's going on right now, in my opinion, is the most Vince McMahon thing ever. It just is. This is art of war, you know, applied to business. It's just, again, fascinating is the only word I can think of. And typically when we see, Vince on camera, obviously as a character, when we hear things about Vince McMahon, he's a fighter, he's an animal, he's cold-hearted, he's blah, 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 blah. I've seen the opposite of that personally in a one-on-one -on -one situation. So opposite of that, that it gives you just a brief insight into what the rest of that personality that we don't get to see right. might be. I've seen that. So he does have a heart. He really does have a heart. Cold as it may be, it exists. <laughs> <laughs> but I've also seen what I consider to be genuine affection and respect between Vince and Triple H. I mean, it wasn't just, you know, oh, okay, you're my son-in-law. I'm going to 
pat you on the back at the family picnic and that. No, there was a tremendous amount of respect. Now, if something happened behind the scenes or there's been some evolution of that relationship that none of us really know about, maybe heard about, but we don't know. I still think that respect remains, in my opinion, in terms of his day-to-day, Triple H's ability to manage his portion of the business. I just don't think that changes. And there may be more to it than I know, and that could all be a week from now, we could be sitting here going, oh, my God, I had no idea. But I just don't think so. And look, Vince McMahon is also the guy, whatever's best for business, right? Yeah. Something there may have been some kind of internal power struggle, falling out, disagreement, whatever. But at the end of it all, do we think that Vince has gotten to the point where he doesn't care what's best for business and is just going to do what he feels he wants to do? I don't see that, man. Look, if Triple H would have come in, if Paul would have come in and made a bunch of wholesale changes and things would have taken a dive, different conversation. But it didn't happen. But it went the opposite. Yes. Incrementally, there was improvement and growth and strength. So why, despite himself, to reduce the value of his own portfolio, to prove a point? Nah, I don't see it. I might have this wrong, but I think we're just a few weeks removed from like a two-year high rating uh, for SmackDown. So it's not as if anyone has failed and now they want control back. Now, I know where that narrative comes from, and you and I have both heard the stories, and we're not going to talk about them here because it's their real life. Uh, It's none of our business. It's not podcast fodder. But let me just say this. Anybody who has ever... If you have a family that you're close with, and I know some of our listeners that I've had conversations with or not, and I'm glad that we get to be their wrestling family with ad free shows, but man, families every now and again, they can't help it. They just have stuff. And most everyone listening to this has had stuff in their family. So-and-so doesn't get along with so-and-so and so-and-so had a falling out with so-and-so. It doesn't mean you don't love and care about each other. It just means we're going to agree to disagree. And the volume gets turned up on that when you work with your family. I know that my parents work for a mortgage company for 20 years. Um, it kind of is what it is, man. You know, you, it's going to be impossible for you to spend all of this time personally, professionally, and there not be some stuff and that doesn't make them bad people. It makes them human. You know, like we all have that one guy we don't get along with at work. We all have that one family member who occasionally just hurts someone else's in the family's feelings, whatever I'm saying, this exists in every family dynamic and you just turn the volume on all that stuff up where it's not like, all right, I see them on the weekends or I see them at birthdays and holidays and Christmas, but no, we're with each other at work on the way to work. Yeah. It's natural and normal for there to be some of that stuff, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's us versus them. Right. Absolutely. It's us versus the bottom line. Yes. Is what it is. And I think if anybody's proven publicly that he up, that's his method of operation. It's Vince McMahon. Yes. He brought me back for crying out loud or brought me in. Forget about bringing me back. He brought me in the first time, not because he liked me, not because of any other reason, other than he thought, and it was, best for business. 
it, it worked creatively. That's all that mattered. He probably hated my guts. He probably really wanted to curb stomp me. It's probably how he really felt about me personally. But what was best for business at that moment? Look at Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Look at Jeff Jarrett. He brought yeah. Jeff Jarrett back. Yeah. Jeff Jarrett held him up for 350 grand or whatever it was. I don't even know. I didn't pay attention to the story, but held him up for a significant amount of money. Brought him back. So I think Vince has demonstrated that what's best for business is more important than how he feels about somebody personally. Let's, um, let's talk about some other talking points that have to be discussed. We're talking about the family dynamic and how it can be interesting. Uh, just working with your family. And there's two other people we haven't talked about in all this. Linda McMahon and Shane McMahon. Now, neither you nor I know all the details, but the story has been out there for a while. And we don't know if this is true. That Shane got rid of all his WWE stock a long time ago. And that he was essentially done with WWE business. Moving on. I'm sure given the nature of the news, Linda had to feel a certain type of way about all of that news. And I'm sure that Shane probably felt bad for everybody involved. Where do you think they sit on all of this? Because we've seen a lot of people speculating what this means for Stephanie, what this means for Vince, what this means for Hunter, what it means for Nick Khan. but we've yet to really bring up Linda or Stephanie or Linda or uh, Shane, what do you think they are on all this? No idea. I mean, I, I don't know Linda at all. I know Shane a little bit. We're pretty good for, you know, I mean, we're friendly. Um, I like Shane a lot. I had fun with Shane. I got to know Shane a lot better than I got to know Vince. Cause I worked, you know, I, I produced Shane, you know, when he and Kevin Owen were having their storyline and believe me, that was a, that was a, fun project to work on because Vince had a certain opinion about Kevin Owen at the time. And Shane was a little bit, you know, Shane was Shane. And, and I say that in a positive way, but he yes. could be a handful. <laughs> Bruce will tell you better than I can because Bruce has worked with him more. I enjoyed working with Shane, but he was a handful that I enjoyed working with. Um, but you, again, you get to know somebody, you know, you're in your own little trench. It's not a deep trench. It's not war. But you're in a trench trying to make things work and you get, you see how people react to situations they're not comfortable in. You see how they react to that. And that reaction indicates to you, to me at least, what kind of person someone is. And I got to know both Kevin Owen and Shane pretty well during that very brief period of time. At least I feel like I did. And I think, you know, Shane, in my opinion, the limited basis that I know him, is more like Linda McMahon and Stephanie is more like Vince McMahon. And that's true in a lot of, you know, like my son Garrett is much more like in many respects, not in all respects. He's still, he's got a little bit of me in him um, sometimes more than others. But for the most part, my son's personality is very much like Lori's. It's just he, the, the, the Everybody likes being around them. They're fun. They're easygoing. They're just different people than I am. 
And my daughter is much more like me. Um, a lot more like me in some respects when it comes to business and things like that. So only she's smarter, by the way. Um, so I, I think in the same sense, Shane is very much like Linda. And that's probably why neither one of them have been working with Vince closely for the last few years. Because it's just a clash of personality. Right. It's just different. doesn't mean there's not love there. doesn't mean there's not respect there. But on a day-to-day basis, probably not the best working chemistry. And I, you know, I, I saw that with Shane. I, I, I did. And I would presume Linda probably saw it and felt it too. I think they're probably both really happy where they're at. You know, Shane's in a, Shane's in a good spot. It's not like he needs the money. Right. I don't think Shane's even probably sitting back going, gosh, I wish I would have held on to that stock because I'd be worth 10 more million dollars. No. Shane's fine financially. He's way more than fine. And he's got things that he's passionate about in his life. I think that's one of the reasons why he's not in WWE because it wasn't going to consume his life 24 hours a day, which is what's necessary. Look at the tail number on the plane, dude. It ends in <laughs> it's WWE. 24 seven. And I don't think Shane was a 24 seven guy. He's a more well-rounded. He's a more normal person. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with that, by the way. No, right. no, right. it's a healthy way to be. And I think he's probably, you know, I, I'm assuming again, I don't know. I don't talk to Shane very often or we don't stay in touch, but he's got a pretty good life, man. I think he's pretty happy. Yeah, I, I would think that's fair to say. Another thing that I think we should at least discuss is the old what if. You and I have done some fun shows over the years about, hey, hypothetically, had you been able to pull all the funding together in 2001 and you got your hands on WCW, what would it have looked like? Mm-hmm. And we did all that fantasy booking and it was great fun. But I ask myself now, self. If Eric Bischoff was 45 years old again today, this comes from the group chat, uh, over at adfreeshows.com. Would you try to put together a group to buy WWE? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that answer. Let's hear it. I mean, like if I had, if I had the Rolodex, if I, again, it was a big, you know, if I was 45 years old, right, right, right. That matters. And look, I'm, I'll be 68 this spring. I'm healthier than I probably been. I'm probably healthier now than I was when I was 45. You know, I may be, not may not be able to do some of the same things physically as I was able to do, but in terms of my overall health and my mental state and things like that, I'm probably in a much better position now than I was when I was 45. Cause I've grown out of a lot of things and I've learned a lot, you know, you could, but had I been, if I was 45 today with the same DNA and experience and I had a Rolodex that would allow me to think that I could possibly put together that investment. Damn right. I would, I'd, I would, I would love that. I wouldn't think about it today, even if I had the money or the Rolodex, but when I was 45, absolutely. Who wouldn't? What entrepreneur with the ability and the resources wouldn't? I can't imagine. Entrepreneur with a passion for the wrestling business and an understanding of it. Who, who wouldn't want that job 
for that opportunity. Do you think we talked about whether or not you thought Vince was going to show up at TV tonight? We both landed on no. Do you think Vince showing up at the office would serve as a distraction as well? Because I feel like he's coming back to the office this week. I think he probably will, but to make a statement, you know, somebody I talked to to remain nameless, um, not Bruce Pritchard, by the way. I've, you know, it's funny. I very rarely talk to Bruce. I know you talk to him all the time because, you know, you got a podcast together, obviously. But I I understand the position that Bruce is in. And, and I, I took this position the meet, the, as soon as I was let go back in 2019 because I never want to put my friendship yes. in between somebody else's career. You know what yeah. I mean? And out of pure respect, I never discuss business. I'll talk to Bruce occasionally about our kids. Right. About the weather. His daughter's coming down to visit. Our daughter is boyfriend are coming down to visit this summer and are going to camp out on my property for a while in her motorhome. And we, you know, we'll talk our dogs. You know, we love to talk about dogs, but I never talk about business, but somebody told me recently, and I, I honestly can't remember who it was, but it wasn't Bruce that Vince still shows up and works out corporate jam every day. I thought, huh, that would be weird. Right. But that, when I heard that, I went, that's Vince just reminding everybody that he still owns this bitch. Well, hang on. <laughs> I, I I felt I heard the same thing. And I actually saw some people who were, I thought it had been hinted at and reported on. Maybe it hadn't, but this, I don't think, I don't think that's the story. Like Vince built that gym the way he likes it with his money <laughs> and it's all his stuff. And he's probably done it every day for decades. Uh, and he does own a bunch of the stuff. I mean, like. If you're the largest shareholder of any company, you should get to work out in their office gym. I think that's fair. Uh, <laughs> I just, I thought it was a non-story and I, and I do know a little more than that, but again, not something that we should probably share because I think you and I are both overly sensitive to the fact that Bruce Richard is like our real life friend and he was our real life friend before he went back and he'll be our real life friend when he's no longer there. And hopefully that's never, and he's lives happily ever after and blah, blah, blah. But I too do the same thing you do when all this is blowing up. I'm not calling Bruce and give me the scoop, brother. What's going on? Like, you know, I'll just send him uh, the eyes bugging out emoji and he'll just do the exclamation point. And that's our talk. Like, Ooh, a lot of shit going on. And that's it. But like, this is what's fun to me is the hypothetical. What ifs, but I, I have noticed that everybody just goes to this doomsday scenario with this. I just, I don't see it. I do worry about. What would wrestling look like if it was owned by a television company? And this is what I want to close with, because I know that this is something that you've talked a lot about that were the differences of, of working within the Turner organization to create nitro and, and all the magic that you did with WCW and how it did become challenging because it was corporate. And I know that I think Jeff Jarrett has said on his program before, uh, my world that he feels like, you know, corporate business ruins wrestling, that that's not what it was born out of and blah, blah, blah. And I know that Tony Schiavone goes on his podcast. What happened when he said it earlier today, WCW was never going to be successful because they were owned by a television company and you need a wrestling company run by wrestling people, not a television company. Mm, I'm going to throw a flag on that one, Tony, but go ahead. And you go the other way. You just said it a few weeks ago when we talked about TNA, 
Hey, why not give spike skin in the game? What would be wrong with locking down and securing your long-term future and your television home by having them as your television partner? And I feel like where Jeff maybe saw it differently than you did. And certainly Tony sees it differently than you did. You were able to be successful running a wrestling company that was owned by a television company and saw opportunity with TNA, how if they were partly owned by a television company, it could have been better, but there are a lot of people who were worried. And I would even suspect that a lot of the people who were worried about what might happen to WWE don't even watch current WWE. They're just consumed with what if it's different and I don't like it. Hey. What if it looks like Lucha underground and it's all taped and it's, and it's a Netflix approach. What if we, we have an off season and my favorite character isn't on this season at all. And what if, and what if, and what if, but you sort of always been the voice the other direction. Hey, it ain't bad to be on my TV company. Play devil's advocate. What's the best thing and what's the worst thing that could happen by WWE being owned by a quote unquote television company? Yeah, and I'm going to address Tony Schiavone here for a minute. And I, I really like Tony on a just on a personal basis. He's one of the people that I've worked with in the past at a pretty high level that I really enjoy just being around. He's just a, he's a positive person. He's funny. He's smart. And he's talented. And there's a lot of things I like about Tony. But recently, I think on one of your podcasts with Tony, he said, oh, RK97 was the end of beginning of the end. It was such a stupid Dave Meltzer-ish thing to say because the actual facts don't back that up. If you go back, and I did, because I want to see if Tony was right and I was wrong, go back and look at the ratings leading up to December of 97. Look at the ratings in the show for four months following December of 97. The ratings got better. At the very least, they held their own. So that's kind of the dirt sheet narrative. Oh, man, it was that one point. No, it was the finger poke of doom. You know, what happened to WCW happened because one corporate culture saw the future of the TNT network in particular one way, and another one saw it the other way. That's it. It had nothing to do with anything creative. Now you can camp out on that because emotionally it's a comfortable chair to sit in because a lot of, you know, the wrestling media and the, the internet, you know, kind of go, yeah, you're right. I felt the same way, but it's stupid. Tony, I'm sorry. I love you, but you're stupid when you say things like, you're not stupid, but it was a stupid thing to say. Um, and take that a step further. And say, and again, I'm not picking on Tony because I respect him, but wrestling companies should be run by wrestling people. I'm sorry. Not when you're totally dependent upon a television network to keep you alive. Correct. The best relation, you know, because wrestling people don't understand television. They may understand aspects of it. They may understand the parts of it that they actually deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, the portions of it. But for the most part, all of the wrestling people that ran the wrestling company of WCW fell flat on their wrestling asses. They didn't have a clue. And I, I find a statement like that in the truest sense of the term 
ignorant, meaning lack, lack of experience or information. I think a wrestling group, if a wrestling group of people came in to try to run WWE, it would be a matter of a year or two before the, the walls would collapse because wrestling people don't know enough about the business of the wrestling business, particularly in relationship to dealing with television and television networks to really maximize the opportunity. Now, the opposite of that statement is Vince McMahon, clearly, but here's the, here's the upside that I see. Insert television property here, Comcast, Fox, whatever, Disney, whoever you want to name. Stability and strength. Stability in the sense that you don't have to worry about when's my, when's my contract due or when's my contract expiring? How am I, you know, because you, if you have a, if you have a two or a four year contract, let's say you have a two year contract a licensing deal with a, with a network and okay, day one, you got two years to go. About six months later, you're already looking for your next negotiation. You're already preparing for your next negotiation. You're at least thinking about it. And within a year of it, you're busy working. Whereas if you're part of a, if you're a partner is what I wanted to see happen with Viacom and TNA was let them have some skin in the game. Yeah. It doesn't mean that they're calling all the shots, by the way. And you can structure a deal like that. I'm going to just focus on what I was hoping would happen with TNA and Spike. You can structure that deal so that, of course, your, your television partner is going to have a conversation with you about things. Of course, they're going to have an opinion about things, as they will anyway, by the way, because if they're, if they're your licensee, in other words, you've sold your rights to them, but it's their television show. If you think they don't have a voice in what happens creatively, you're naive. You have no idea what you're talking about because they do. So you could be a wrestling company run by a wrestling person. And guess what? You're still, if you're on television, you're still answering to the television network. One way, shape, or form. You don't get to do whatever you want to do. You're going to have somebody from standards and practices or some programming executive or somebody from ad sales um, telling you what's working and what's not working. And you have to address it. It's no different. So if you're partners with a television company and you, and they have skin in your game, in the game, but you have a sound enough relationship with them, you're not giving them total, you're not giving them any more control than they already had, to be honest with you, because they do. Whoever writes a check writes a freaking rules. And if they're writing you a check for your television show, they're writing the rules and you're following them, Tony Khan, and even WWE to a large degree. They're having to, re Tony and Vince have to respond to their networks and their yes. network executives. But I think the stability of having that partner far outweighs the perceived wrestling fan influence of what that means. In, in fact, I think. Th you can improve upon that relationship. You can mitigate the amount of influence a, your, your television partner has if, if you're licensing your content to them by involving them more and helping them to understand, still staying in control. But for anybody, 
no matter who it is, whether they're friends of mine or not, do you think that, well, once they sign out on the dotted line and they stroke you a check, you get to do whatever you want to do. You're, you're so naive and it, it's a reflection of what you don't know about how things really work as opposed to what you do know. And that's a problem with a lot of, even people in the wrestling business, you know, wrestlers in particular, they think because they know a lot about what's going on inside the ring and what makes a character work and what's, you know, when it comes to the confines of the ring, they know far more than most executives they ever work with. But once they step out of the ring, they don't know dick about the business of the wrestling business because they've never spent a minute in it. They have a strong opinion about it and they can convince people outside of the industry, wrestling fans, the internet, dirt sheet writers, they can try to convince people that they have a really good handle on the corporate side of things. But the fact is they don't have a clue any more than the VP of marketing knows about laying out a match. They may know a lot about the business of the wrestling business, but they couldn't lay out a match. It's the same thing. But the narrative that we all get exposed to is coming from people who really don't understand the business of the wrestling business, or at least have never really had um, direct. No case of Tony. He didn't really, Tony wasn't in my meetings. Tony wasn't in a lot of the strategy sessions that I was a part of. No, Tony didn't interface with the executives that I had to interface with. I'm not picking on Tony, but that's an example. So people that even that were in the wrestling business, Jeff included say, I don't know. It's got to be wrestling people running a wrestling company are advocating for themselves or others who are not corporate executives. Cause it's not true. You're this, if you now, if you want to be a small territory, you know, if you want to be an independent, you know, wrestling company, a, a GCW or, 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 or something like that. And you don't really care about television. Television is not part of your business plan. Sure. Absolutely. But if you want to compete on a national or international level, it's a silly thing to say. Well, it's a silly thing to not go to save with This we know for sure. This is the time of year where we're all thinking about the Royal rumble. It's January, right? Some of us are also thinking, Hey man, how am I going to pay off all this extra holiday debt I racked up? I actually saw a study a few years ago that said it takes the American, the average American family over five months, nearly six months to pay off all that Christmas credit card debt. Well, we can get, help you get rid of it just like that. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket, but if you've got more month at the end of the money, save with Conrad.com is for you. How about this? In the spirit of the Royal rumble, why don't we throw two house payments over the top rope? That's right. You get to skip your next two house payments, which is your single biggest bill pocket, all that cash. And we can, at the same time, knock out all your credit card debt. We're routinely helping our, our podcast listeners say five, six, seven, 800 bucks a month. Heck we've saved several over a thousand dollars a month. Think about that over a thousand dollars a month, all because you just spent a few minutes at save with Conrad.com. Now I want to remind you here at first family mortgage. We don't say no, we say not yet, but here's how we're going to get you a plan. We're going to ask you, Hey, where are you right now? And where would you like to be? Maybe you'd like to pay your house off before your kids go to college. So they don't have to get student loans. Maybe you'd like to just pay your house off so you can retire without a house payment. Well, you need to retire that house payment before you retire. Maybe you just need to go ahead and get some cash out to upgrade the kitchens and bathrooms, or maybe it's time to put a pool in and make this the best summer ever. Whatever you're looking for, we can help at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. I also want to mention 
at any time, I would welcome you. I would encourage you go check out our reviews, conradreviews.com. What you're going to see is one five-star review after another. These are real reviews. Here's our most recent one from chastity here in Alabama. She gave us five stars and says easy to work with, very helpful and guiding us through the process would definitely recommend. Here's one from Jeff in North Carolina, five stars. Everyone was helpful, especially Diane. It was a great experience, even for someone with less than perfect credit, 100% recommend. Here's another five star from Shane. Larry and his team were exceptional to work with. We had a unique financial situation, making it very difficult for us to find a mortgage company to work with us. Larry and his time, his team took the time to listen to us, understood the situation and made it happen. Uh, they even had someone come to our home to work around our crazy schedule. I highly recommend Larry and his team. One five-star review after another, no matter your circumstance, we can help save with conrad.com. And I want to remind you too, we're the home of the seven year guarantee. Meaning if your needs change for any reason in the next seven years, rates go up, rates come down. You got, you moved, you need to add on, you need to pull some cash out, whatever we got you. We want to be your mortgage advisor for life. Check it out. Save with conrad.com. Eric, this was fun, man. I don't know what I expected, but just talking about what could be and, and how this could all affect everything is, is fun to sort of freestyle. And what we know about wrestling is it's going to keep changing. It's going to keep evolving. Nothing's going to stay the same. You know, one thing, Conrad, before we go, I want to, I'm going to add some clarity here. Cause I'm looking at some of the comments in our chat from our family over at every shows. And, and again, follow up on the, you know, would it be a good idea for a TV company to own a wrestling company? Want an example? Yeah. Bellator. Yep. Bellator was dying. It was actually dead. They just refused to pronounce it dead. Yeah. And Viacom came in and purchased, and it is still a viable, successful property today. Scott Coker, who I know personally, and I've known him since he was a kid, is not being encumbered to my knowledge, at least he's done a great job. Nobody in Viacom is suggesting, I would imagine to Scott Coker, how to, you know, book fights. Nobody's rest, rest, you know, running the, the, the athlete side of the business from Viacom. Hey, I got an idea. Why don't we have this guy fight this guy? Cause my kid loves that guy. That, that's not happening. That's a perfect example of the upside, the positive side of having a television partner like Viacom have skin in the game in your business. That's the best example I can think of. Would TNA have been in that same position? I like to think so, but maybe not. I like to think so. I worked with Kevin Kay and Scott Fishman, the, the, the executive from Viacom, not the, not the writer. Um, these were guys that didn't want to sit down and they wouldn't, they didn't, if you invited them to a creative meeting, they wouldn't come. So, Wrestling fans have a tendency to project what they think they know into situations that they don't. And, and again, I didn't, wasn't beating up on Tony. I like Tony, but I just found that comment to be very, um, a common, you know, dirt cheat narrative. And it's not necessarily true. I think, look, I, I think if, if WWE ends up being owned by Comcast or Fox or anybody else, I think the, the future for people that are executives now, employees, that are currently there is nothing but bright. I think for talent, nothing but bright. Yeah, maybe some individual talent are not going to come out of it great, but man, I, I think people should quit looking at the worst case scenario 
and spend half as much time looking at the positive side of what could happen out of this. And I think you'll find that there's probably going to be a pretty bright light at the end of the tunnel. And maybe I'm kidding myself because I am more optimistic than cynical by nature. I'm always the guy half full, which has been a problem for me <laughs> business-wise sometimes in my life. I'm always looking at the upside and don't spend a lot of time looking at the negative side. But I, I see I see a bright opportunity here, man. We don't know what it's going to be. And there's going to be some fallout and there's going to be some drama. But I think a year from now, we're all going to be going, wow. Remember when we were so afraid this is going to be going to crush WWE or ruin the product? Weren't we silly to feel that way? That's what, that's what my hope is. Well, my hope is that you'll check out some of the brand new shirts we have for 83 weeks. Let everybody know about your favorite podcast when you're sporting your brand new 83 week swag. How about that? Mucker father, my favorite shirt. <laughs> now it's a hoodie. Mucker father. The hoodie is available now over at boxagimmicks.com. Hey, wait, can I tell you something real quick while you're, while you're trying yeah. to sign out? You know, the first time I ever used the word mucker father on this program. Nope. When on a WWE, uh, something that I did for them for the network. Okay. It was an interview. It was like a couple of years ago. They came out to the house and I got, as you know, I can get all fired up depending on the conversation. And I caught myself. I was going to go the other way with it. And I caught myself in the neck of time, nick of time and said, mucker father. And, and I laughed after it was over. I said, well, that'll, that'll, never make it to TV. And sure enough, it did. <laughs> How about it? Well, now it's a hoodie and boxing mix.com. I think I've got one more. We're going to debut and get your opinion on here, Eric. Google the internet. It's a brand new shirt. <laughs> I can't believe that's the thing. All right. So let me tell you a little story about that. Okay. First time on this show, obviously you and I were in some kind of a, you know, where my temperature was raised just a notch yeah. or two. And I said, so I'm like, well, just Google the internet. And you laughed. You laughed so hard when I said that. And you're laughing, and I'm going, what's so funny? I, I just said, Google the Internet. I didn't even understand why it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, oh, that, that was kind of stupid. But it took me about four minutes to figure that out. <laughs> Such good stuff, man. Check it out, boxagimmicks.com. I also want to mention everybody. Adfreeshows.com, man. We're about 10 days removed as you and I are discussing it now. We got you and Nick Patrick to sit down together live for the very first time to discuss what really happened with that very infamous Starcade 1997 main event. But maybe the thing I'm most excited about now is we're doing another live thing. Of course, we just talked about how, you know, January for wrestling fans, kind of synonymous with the Royal Rumble. I can't believe it, but the first Royal rumble was 35 years ago this month. And the guy who won the very first ever Royal rumble, ho hacksaw, Jim Duggan will join us on the exact anniversary of that historic match, January 24th at 9 PM. Eastern head over to adfreeshows.com. That's a Tuesday at 9 PM hacksaw. will be there live with us watching the very first Royal rumble where he won. Man, adfreeshows.com has got something for everybody, but I got so much great feedback. I'm not even sure if you've had a chance to see it. We debuted it over the weekend, Eric. But the feedback I got for our new series called The Book with David Crockett, 
I had multiple people say, this is the best thing you guys have ever created. What we were able to do is call on Mr. David Crockett, a part of wrestling royalty and say, Hey, can we take a shot at your brother's books? They were just known as Jimmy's red books, but these are the actual handwritten notes that shaped what we all grew up on with Jim Crockett promotions. We're starting with the month, 1985. And we just debuted the January 85 episode next month in February. We'll have February 85, et cetera, et cetera. We're going to go all the way through the year, 1985. And you see JJ Dillon's perfect handwriting there from the booking genius. That was dusty Rhodes. He would make sure he marked it down, put all of the facts and figures in there and boom, these are the books that shaped Jim Crockett promotions, Jim Crockett juniors, personal books. We break it down day by day. City by city, gate by gate, town by town, talk about the comings and goings. And 85 is the year they got back TBS. They did the deal with Vince McMahon. We're covering all of that, and it exists exclusively at adfreeshows.com. When it comes to wrestling history, I don't think anybody can touch us, Eric. Absolutely not. And by the way, I know uh, you guys sent me a preview of that a couple days ago, and I haven't really had time to look at it. I'm going to this afternoon. Um, I can't wait to see it because that this kind of history is so fascinating to me. And you have you, you Conrad have such unique access and to be able for all of us to be able to go back in time and not hear stories, not somebody's opinion, but to sit down and look at facts and figures to really help paint a picture of one of the most important times. I mean, there's been a lot of important times in wrestling. We're talking about today being, you know, maybe the most important in really our lifetimes in terms of the history of the business and the things that are impacting it. Um, but go, you go back to, you know, the Crockett's in the mid eighties, the late eighties, pivotal point in time, pivotal part of history. And I, I am, I'm grateful to you and your team to be able to put together such a great look at what I'm sure is going to be a fascinating story. I know I've seen some of the other uh, things that you guys have done so much detail, whether it's hearing from Jim Hurd or others, so much great detail and information that you don't hear or see anywhere else. Kudos to you and the team, man. We love what we do and we do it every single day over at adfreeshows.com. Gr- greatly appreciate all of you guys tuning in. Hope that you'll consider joining us over at adfreeshows.com. Not only do you get these shows early and ad free, you get to see them being filmed live and ask questions and be interactive with us. But you also get all this great bonus content, like uh, seeing the conversation and asking questions of Nick Patrick and, 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 and sitting down and watching the first Royal rumble with the winner hacksaw, Jim Duggan. But man, the history of those Jim Crockett books, and and we've got this for Fritz von Eric too, and this is in Fritz's handwriting. And to know that these great wrestling minds that shaped all of wrestling, this is their handwriting. These, this is their behind the scenes look. This is all about the money and the miles, as the old wrestling cliche goes. And if we don't share those stories and get those stories out on adfreeshows.com, they may die forever. Uh, we're continuing to dig into that and bring it to you, and hope that you're digging what we're doing. Check it out, adfreeshows.com. And next week, we are going to talk about Buff Bagwell. I think he's going to be one of the great success stories, the next great success story, and I hope you guys will check it out. I also want to recommend, if you haven't already, you check our show out on YouTube. Uh, We're doing lots of new fun things uh, with our YouTube channel, and you're going to want to be a part of all that, including some new exclusive stuff that Eric and I have just talked about that's going to start showing up every month. 
Uh, in the meantime, if you can't get enough Eric Bischoff, well, buddy, cruise on over to Amazon and check out Grateful. Just type in Grateful Eric Bischoff. There it is. I continue to get comments in my DMs from people who absolutely love the book. I think you'll love it too. And Eric would love to have your your interaction at E Bischoff on Twitter. Uh, he's on Instagram at the real Eric Bischoff. And you can follow our show on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 83 weeks. Uh, but in the meantime, Hey man, do us a favor, cruise on over to 83 weeks on youtube.com and, uh, and hit that subscribe button. This was fun today, Eric. I don't know what I expected given that, man, it seems like it's changing day by day or hour by hour, but I, I enjoyed today's conversation about what's next for WWE. Yeah, well, we'll probably be dropping another episode tomorrow of uh, Strictly Business at this rate because we're Elba and I are trying, John Elba and I are trying to stay on top of it. But uh, I look forward to talking about Buff. I'm really, um, I'm, I'm, I'm praying for him. I'm, I'm his, I'm his biggest fan right now, and I'm hoping he's going to kick out of a, a, a situation that's probably not been good for him for a number of years. And the last time I saw him, which was only a couple of weeks ago, he looked awesome. I mean, it's real. He looked. Awesome. And I'm even going to sing him happy birthday. I will sing him happy birthday next week, right here on 83 weeks. Not that that's going to necessarily drive any uh, listeners <laughs> or viewers here. I mean, maybe that was more of a warning. Yes. That's a warning. <laughs> Thank you, Conrad. I appreciate it. Thanks, Steve Coffin. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week, right here on 83 weeks. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.